turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, the night that, uh, well, I, I uh, talk about sex in the news, uh, go through some studies that have come out this week, some interesting articles that I want to share with you, like, can sex literally blow your mind? I'll tell you how that's possible. And the smell that increases arousal in men. We'll also talk about Trump's conscience rule and how our careers affect our children. But first, let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. Your question's answered at the beginning of uh, every show, 514-800, if you have a question. Actually, throughout the night, if you, uh, if, if you have a question, I will answer it. Uh, you can also call me at 514-790-0800. And lots of people like to email me as well to laurie at drlaurie.com or through the iHeartRadio app as well. So following last night's show, if you missed it, it was pretty intense. It was a very serious topic. We were talking about familicide, which is basically like homicide, but of your family. And uh, in light of the couple of cases just in the last few weeks of men who uh, killed their ex-partners and their children, or in one case, just the children, not the wife. Uh, And of course, we've heard of these stories over and over again. So I decided I wanted to take a deeper look into this and uh, pulled out some of the the research. And it was, uh, you know, fascinating, disturbing, uh, like all those emotions in one. And we got a ton of responses, tons of text messages from people who have experienced domestic violence, who have feared for their lives, and uh, also got a couple of uh, emails and a couple that I wanted to share with you. So, and actually one woman called me today uh, to give me the name of a website, which I thought is also brilliant. I, I checked it out. It's not violent.com. It's not violent.com. This is uh, by SOS Violence Conjugale, which I gave you the, the, the information of uh, last night. But uh, this is specifically for younger people, uh, teenagers, to identify if the relationship they're in is an unhealthy one or an abusive one. It's, a, it's an interactive website. It's actually super well done. Uh, so you can have, uh, if you have teenagers, this is a, a good opportunity to send them to this website. It's not violent.com. Uh, so here, another uh, one uh, regarding the subject of familicide. There's a very well-written and informative book that might interest you called No Invisible Bruises, What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us. Violence towards men and women, young and old, in intimate relationships can be confusing to both people involved as well as friends and family. I'd love it if a well-compiled series with descriptive details and unknown pertinent information about this subject could be aired. Thank you for even touching the subject. That, that's brave of you, and I'm certain a little uncomfortable. I deeply appreciate it. Breathing a little easier and a little more hopeful. And that's from uh, Christine. Thank you so much for sending that. Well, I did give you some information. There are multiple sites, uh, some excellent reports that shed light into this issue with uh, all kinds of statistics and 
Canadian statistics as well. So uh, you can look those up. If you missed the show, it's the podcast is available to you. Uh, if you go to um, my website, drlaurie.com, and click on the Passion Radio uh, tab, you will find all past shows there. So that one is there. And if uh, maybe somebody you know could benefit from it, so that, that might be something uh, that would be good. Okay. Uh, here's another question I got by email. Um I would like to talk to you about how one is defined as non-binary. I feel that is what I am, even though I don't like putting people in sexual identity boxes and I know sexuality can be fluid. I feel that there are some of us who could be most accurately be called non-binary. Just a bit of added information that might make our make this talk more interesting. I am 77 years old. So that's interesting coming from somebody who is in a generation, of course, where the term non-binary never existed, but you could still feel things just because we hadn't identified them uh, and what it was and didn't have a name for it doesn't mean the feelings were not there. So just to to talk about what non-binary means Basically, it's a spectrum of gender identities that are, they're not exclusively masculine or feminine. They can fall under the uh, transgender umbrella. Um, A lot of people who are non-binary identify with a gender that is different from their assigned sex, but not necessarily. Uh, They, non-binary people may also identify as having two or more genders as having no gender so they they want to be genderless or gender free um, or moving between genders or even having a fluctuating gender identity which is called gender fluid um, so this is all part of being non non-binary simply means do not put me in one or the other right It's uh, male, female, that's binary. Non-binary is somewhere in between there, not not being identified as one or the other. Also, um, when we talk about gender, gender identity is separate from sexual orientation, by the way, or romantic orientation, because non-binary people can have a variety of sexual orientations, just like anybody uh, else else does. So it's not associated also with a specific gender expression. We often confound non-binary people with androgyny. We say they are androgynous, but that's not it either. It's not about how they express their gender. So sometimes a non-binary person could look completely female, but identify non-binary, could look completely male in the clothing that we would associate with that, and still feel uh, that they are non-binary. So it's not about androgyny, which is a word that has been around for uh, a very long time. Uh, So that's it for that. 514-800 if you have uh, any questions. Uh, So this texter writes in, I went to a strip club, went for the totally nude dance with a fair amount of contact. On the way there, in anticipation, I had a solid sustainable erection. However, once the girl was dancing and grinding my lap, my erection was only semi-hard. I was hoping to climax while the nude girl was lap dancing me. 
What could be the reasons for this? I had no problem masturbating in the bathroom after the lap dance. Please inform. Well, it sounds to me like there are people around. It's not exactly the most optimal conditions to uh, be involved in a a sexual uh, encounter. There's performance anxiety, probably anxiety just because there's people around. You're distracted. There's plenty of distractions in a strip club. It's not like you're in a separate room, just uh, you and, and the person. So I'm not quite sure that that is the best place to have a fulfilling uh, sexual experience. So to me, that's what's going on. The distractibility of the place, location, 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 clearly did not work. Uh, coming up, can sex really blow your mind? Like quite literally, we'll talk about that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Time to take a look at some research presented related to sex and relationships. Some crazy stories as well. A guy caught cheating because of a Fitbit. Hey, (laughs) watch your electronics. They could get you into trouble. And then this woman who arranges a medieval duel, like a fight, literally, We'll talk about that. But first, I want to talk about uh, this. This is super interesting. The headline was, Can Sex Really Blow Your Mind? So we talk about, you know, wow, I had mind-blowing sex. Okay, yes, that's not in the literal sense. But here, (laughs) can it actually blow your mind? Apparently, yes. Sex can change your brain and make you lose your memory temporarily by triggering an episode of transient global amnesia. Or it can even cause permanent brain damage by rupturing a brain aneurysm. (laughs) Okay, who's scared now? Uh, In the rare cases, again, rare cases where these conditions are sex-induced, It seems it is the dramatic blood flow changes in the brain that occur during sex that are to blame. So if we're talking about transient uh, global amnesia, it is a sudden and temporary impairment, temporary impairment of memory during which a person cannot learn or recall new information and may also have difficulty recalling old memories. The person can remain alert and aware of their personal identity. They're able to communicate, but the main symptoms are things like repetitive questioning and disorientation. It typically occurs as a single episode and is considered a benign disorder, meaning nothing to worry about uh, because they resolve within 24 hours these memory problems and there are no long-term effects. And there apparently have been hundreds of reported cases in the medical literature. Nobody knows why this happens. There's still no, there's no, like, no explanation. The cause is still unknown. It's one of those mysterious neurological um, conditions. But other triggers have also been reported, by the way. Strenuous physical activity Uh, emotionally arousing or stressful events, a sudden change in body temperature, and, of course, uh, sex. So 
there's also what was really interesting. So there was a study that explored what triggered transient global amnesia. So this one study, sex was the most common precipitant that was reported in a third of the 21 cases. All right. It's a small sample size, but nonetheless, um, and guess what? Apparently it can be, this can happen particularly if the sex you're having is with someone who is not your usual partner. This, this is consistent with the research on cardiovascular events. In other words, heart attacks that happen during sex. Only about 1% of cardiac uh, deaths occur during sex. But of that 1%, 70% of that 1%, the person is with someone who is not their wife. Just thought I would add that. So the, the stress, the stress of an affair, the stress of being unfaithful has been reported in a few of these transient global amnesia cases. But there are also other neurological events that can be triggered by sex. Did you know, again, this is going to scare you, uh, sex can cause a stroke. If you are unlucky enough to have a brain aneurysm, which is a malformation, that's like a small balloon that's um, in, your, in your, the blood vessels in your brain, uh, intense physical activity like sex, especially accompanied by an orgasm, can cause the aneurysm to rupture or burst. Problem is, we wouldn't know if we had that in our brain. Uh, so, and what happens when a ruptured uh, brain aneurysm, when, when this happens, when a, it ruptures it, it can result in blood leaking into your brain, which causes a hemorrhage, and it is a type of stroke. So there you go. It could literally uh, blow uh, your brains. That's pretty scary, but it's rare. Can I just repeat? It's rare. It's really rare. <laughs> just like having a heart attack during sex is rare. Okay? Please know that. Uh, also, just to add, when a ruptured brain aneurysm is triggered by sex, it turns out that sudden death, again, more likely if you're having sex with someone who is not your usual partner. So whether it's the memory loss, whether it's the aneurysm, whether it's the heart attack, all much more likely if you're having sex with someone who is not your usual partner. So what does that tell you? Beware, beware of the affair. Uh, let's see, uh, text her, can sex blow your mind? Question mark, question mark. God gave men two heads, but only enough blood to operate one at a time. Need I say more? Well, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, are non-binary individuals XX or XY chromosomes? So you're talking about, are they male or they're female in terms of their chromosomal, um, profile? They are, they can be intersex as well. So they can have a variation of the, those chromosomes. But as far as I know, they, uh, yes, they're born uh, with XX or XY. So I don't think it has anything to do with the uh, genetic. Um, 
it might it's not on that chromosome anyway so there 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 are some genetic factors that play into um, homosexuality for example and gender identity but it's mostly about what goes on uh, hormonally uh, in and and the brain and what goes on in terms of the chemicals of the brain during uh, fetal development. So uh, that's where the studies lie. Uh, somebody says, "Hum, I'll buy what you're saying." Now I have an excuse after sex when I ask, "What did you say your name was?" <laughs> you do. You absolutely can use that excuse now. It might just work. So here's a crazy, crazy woman. Um, so this woman who was 35 years old was married to this other guy they're in the in the uh, in the united kingdom um started having an affair with this 25 year old guy when he was released from prison in lithuania okay just giving you the back backstory here this ex-con arrived in the uk after being released from prison expecting his lover the married asta to be waiting for him but it turned out that she had not gotten a divorce and had instead continued a sexual relationship with her husband seeking a fair way to work the issue out the wife insisted the two fight to the death with bladed weapons for her how crazy is that? They describe this as a medieval duo, basically, with the uh, this altercation, which, of course, was clearly a homicide, murder. Uh, the duel ended badly, duh, uh, as knife fights outside of fantasy novels tend to do, of course. The husband is the one who lost. He died after suffering 35 wounds to the neck, chest, and shoulder. The prosecutor described it as such. This was not a fist fight that escalated. It was murderous assault with a single-bladed knife with death as the inevitable outcome. In their different ways, each man felt that they had claims over Asta. The situation was inevitably, inevitably going to come to a head. Of course, he admitted to the murder once he was arrested, and now prosecutors are attempting to make the case that the wife masterminded the crime. What Crazy, like that's just crazy crazy this headline i think john paul talked about this uh, boyfriend caught cheating after woman sees fitbit physical activity spike at 4 a.m so this, this woman talks about her ex-boyfriend now her ex-boyfriend who got her a fitbit uh for christmas and if you own a fitbit you know you can sync it up with family members friends groups whatever it is so they synced up their Fitbits so that they could motivate each other. But she checked it at some point, and uh, he was unaccounted for at 4 a.m. He wasn't around, but yet she could see that his physical activity levels were spiking on the app. He was busy doing something, and Orange Theory was not open at 4 a.m., uh, anyhow, so this is what ended up happening, and it's not the only kind of story where technology is, uh, you know, where people get caught cheating as a result of technology. As from from you, what uh, have you ever caught a cheating spouse, and and how? I hear mostly I hear stories of uh, emails, more so now with text messages, uh, messenger. 
uh, things like that on, on, on those. And, um, spouses that have found like apps, like dating apps, uh, on, on their partner's phone, on, uh, you know, emails coming from hookers. Like all, I've heard, I've heard all kinds of stories, like so many different stories. So there's a smell that increases arousal in men. And here it is. Do you want to know what it is? Pumpkin pie. 40% of men had increased arousal when they smelled pumpkin pie. So you want to arouse your guy? Bring home a pumpkin pie, put it in the oven, and let the smell permeate your home. Even more, by the way, if you combine it with lavender. So pumpkin pie in the oven and a lavender candle lit up. How lovely is that? And by the way, apparently pumpkin seeds have a high zinc content, which could help boost um, testosterone and things like that. So it works. And another scent to increase arousal in men is vanilla. So we're talking lavender combined with pumpkin pie and vanilla, all increase arousal in men. I'd like to find one, which scents increase arousal in women? I have not seen that study yet. Uh, Coming up, how our careers affect our children. Saw this uh, on Facebook. Somebody posted it, and I found it quite intriguing, especially as a woman who works. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Cute comment about sex and uh, can blow your mind. Uh, This sex, right? Sex can cause a stroke. Funnily enough, a stroke can also cause sex. Thanks for that joke, Joseph. (laughs) Appreciate it. So how do our careers or our work affect our children's lives? I'm not talking about my career in particular, which of course a lot of people are curious about how my choice of career working in the sexuality field affected my children's lives. Just have to watch this show, Sex Education, to see. (laughs) It pretty much says it all right there. Uh, But this study um, was really interesting. So I I thought I would would share it. It caught my attention, especially as a working mom who um, occasionally felt guilty about uh, working. And I'm sure a lot of of people feel that way. that they feel that their time away from their kids, they feel guilty about being away from their kids. So anyway, this, this shows, it was very uh, encouraging to, to read this, uh, this study. So it basically, it was a study that looked at how the emotional lives of children are affected by their parents' uh, careers. And they were looking at, you know, children who are negatively affected by their parents. Uh, mostly it was because of parents being digitally distracted techno as it's known and also the harmful effects of stress at work on family life those were the two main factors that affected uh, children in a negative uh, in a negative way but 
a lot of past research, you know, as women started to get into the workforce and everything, research was looking at whether or not mothers work uh, and whether their, their parents work full-time, part-time, the amount of, t- of time parents spent at work, uh, all of that, how that affected uh, children. But uh, their, this particular research went beyond just time spent at work and also looked at the inner experience of work. In other words, parental values about the importance of career and family, the psychological interference of work on family life. In other words, when they're home, are they thinking about work when they're present at home, so not truly present? Uh, The extent of emotional involvement in a career and discretion and control about the conditions of uh, work. And all these aspects of parents' careers were found to be correlated with the degree to which children display behavior problems, which are key indicators of their mental health. What they found is that for both mothers and fathers, that children's emotional health was higher when parents believed that family should come first, regardless of the amount of time they spent working. That's an interesting uh, point right there. They also found that children were better off when parents cared about work as a source of challenge, creativity, and enjoyment without regard to the time spent at work. So it had nothing to do with how much time they spent at work. It had to do with how fulfilling the parents' uh, careers were. What they found was that children were better off when parents were able to be physically available to them, obviously, um, but that's what when they were home. There were other uh, interesting findings too. Children were more likely to show behavioral problems if their fathers were overly involved psychologically in their careers, whether or not they worked long hours. Um, And a father's cognitive interference of work on family and relaxation time, that means his psychological availability or his presence, uh, which is, uh, you know, when he's on his device, he is noticeably absent, of course. This was linked with children having emotional and behavioral problems. On the other hand, to the extent that a father was performing well in and feeling satisfied with his job, his children were likely to demonstrate relatively few behavioral problems, again, independent of how long he was working. For mothers, having authority and discretion at work was associated with mentally healthier children. They found that children benefit if their mothers have control over what happens to them when they are working. Also, and this one I love, this little piece, this little nugget, just remember this. Mothers spending time on themselves, on relaxation and self-care, and not so much on housework, was associated with positive outcomes for children. So it's not just a matter of mothers being at home versus at work. It's what they do when they're at home with their non-work time. If mothers were not with their children so they could take care of themselves, there were no ill effects on the children. If they were at home and engaged in a lot of housework, children were um, more likely to have 
behavior problems. So women, let go of the housework, do some self-care. So I, I found this really, really interesting. So it had, it was not about parents' time spent working versus like on childcare. There were far more other variables because the, the time away from the kids did not influence children's mental health. So this is where quality time, I mean, that's the bottom line. Quality time is real. It's not when we say that, it really, the science bears it out. It's not quantity, it's quality. So when you're with your children, be present and be passionate and challenged about your work. That helps too, if you feel positive about, uh, about your work. On a lighter note, uh, world's first vagina museum to open in London. It's called Muff Busters Exhibition. Uh, begins in Camden. I was just there, just missed that opening, uh, in hope of tackling myths on taboo body parts. So it's in a beautiful area. I don't know if you've ever been, but if you've ever been to uh, London's Camden's Stables Market, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, it's a outdoor space. Um, in, well, there's an indoor space and outdoor space, but here in an indoor part of it, a giant tampon is flanked by giant menstrual cups. Illustrations of female genitalia are dotted around the walls and some underwear is in a glass case. This is the world's first vagina museum dedicated to gynecological anatomy uh, which just opened a couple of weeks ago in uh, northwest London. Basically, uh, what they want to do uh, is uh, they want to run this called Muff Busters. They want to look at the misconceptions that surround uh, vagina and vulva and all of that, uh, gynecological anatomy. They want to um, dispel myths about uh, cleanliness, appearance, periods, sex, and contraception. I love what they say here that they, on, on one of their poster, uh, just under 50% of the world's population has one. Most of us come into the world through one, yet vaginas and the rest of the gynecological anatomy are still a taboo subject. This is what the um, poster says. Also, there's quotes of uh, a survey that was done which found that more than half of the British public that was surveyed could not describe the function or visibly identify the vagina, 52%, the labia, 47%, and the urethra, 58%. Okay, that's sad. Like, that's basic anatomy. That, that's quite sad. Anyhow, it offers leaflets, information about vaginal health, has a shop, you can get beautiful postcards, all of that going on at the uh, World's First Vagina Museum in London. So if you're going to be in London, go there, Camden's, uh, in, in the Camden area, you will find it right there. Coming up, I want to talk about uh, Trump's uh, refusal of care, conscience rule. There's been a, a, a ruling now, so I want to share that uh, with you. Uh, and what else am I going to talk about? Oh yes, Argentina has a new president, and guess what? His son is a drag queen. Talk about that as well.
Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. On the topic of how our careers affect our children, Texter says, I know a couple, both doctors in different hospitals, that is not a job or a career, it's a lifestyle. Their kids did not see much of either parent at the same time, unless it was vacation time, but kids are well-mannered and good kids, probably tough when they were young, but now in the late teens, very well-adjusted, and they are a close family, vacation with them, a model family. I can very much relate uh, to, to this, very much so, because I don't know, our kids did not have us both parents at the same time very often because of my crazy schedule, but I had control over my schedule, so I, the time I spent with the kids was always, uh, I made sure it was quality time where I took them to programs and, and spent actual time with them and then ran off to work, so the time spent may not have been a lot, a lot, but it was, uh, it was really focused on them. So I can absolutely relate to, relate to that. And, and that made me feel much better. Like that study, I wish I'd read it. I wish this, these results had come out a long time ago and I'd read this a long time ago, would have avoided some of the guilt that I felt of not, of like the time not being there enough hours, but anyway, too late now, but my kids are, you know, well adjusted now. So that's okay. All right, uh, I want to talk about this for a moment. Uh, courts strike down Trump's refusal to care, refusal of care conscience rule. I talked about this a little while back. Um, basically, a federal court voided a Trump administration rule that would have endangered reproductive, LGBTQ, and end-of-life health care. Last month, two federal courts voided their... Uh, the Trump administration's conscience rule, which would have allowed healthcare professionals to refuse to participate in abortion, transgender healthcare, or any other service to which they object for religious or moral reasons. The rule was issued in May by the Department of Health and Human Services and covered healthcare workers and facilities that receive federal funding. The rule, which had been set to take effect just this past November, purported to implement a patchwork of more than two dozen statutory provisions recognizing the rights of conscience-based objectors in health cares. The judges in these cases made the right decision not only legally but also with regard to patients' rights. This kind of government interference endangers our patients' health by limiting and sometimes altogether eliminating access to medically accurate information and to the full range of healthcare services they need. Thankfully, we do not have this kind of uh, a refusal of care rule here. So um, basically, this person, uh, the, one of the uh, presidents of an organization here said, we ought not to have religious beliefs interfere with the provision of legal Healthcare. This rule would have allowed any healthcare worker to halt medical treatment from your local pharmacist to the appointment scheduling staff. If you need surgery and the anesthesiologist won't give you anesthesia, you can't have the surgery. Seems a little um, crazy, right? This rule. So if enacted, the rule would have been a blow to LGBTQ patients, of course, more importantly, who already face discrimination in healthcare especially in uh, people who are uh, gender non-conforming and uh, gay and lesbian people as well. 
Imagine if somebody who is treating you or is, who's supposed to treat treat you is is just looking at you with uh, um, judgmentally based on their religious beliefs and is refusing care for you because they do not believe in your lifestyle. Let's just say or something to that uh, to that effect. So um, now. It's true this is a major victory, but guess what? Unfortunately, there are still 30 other existing federal statutory provisions on the books known collectively as the conscience provisions. So they uh, still exist. There are still some of them out there, and they need to be, uh, I guess, fought against. And people are, you know, complaining and blah, 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 and maybe things will change eventually. Argentina has a new president, and uh, his son is a drag queen. Left-wing leader Alberto Fernandez was sworn in on Tuesday as president of Argentina and was accompanied at the swearing-in ceremony by 24-year-old son Estanislao Fernandez. The politician's son, who is a big name on Argentina's drag scene, also known as D-Y-H-Z-Y, Dizzy, I guess, um, managed to show support for equal rights while he was carrying at the event a rainbow uh, flag. He responded by uh, showing his flag off on an Instagram video, joking, uh, well, it was like a handkerchief or whatever, a flag. Anyway, same-sex couples can marry in Argentina, but reports of bullying against LGBTQ people are still uh, common, unfortunately. But he, uh, the young drag artist, has had strong support from his father, who has said, I want for my son the same as any father, for him to be happy, he said in a radio interview ahead of the election. I have pride in my son. How could I not be proud? My son is a rights activist in that community. I would worry if my son was a criminal, but he is a great man. Unfortunately, the drag queen star has been targeted with political homophobia, guess what, from whom? From the other side, right? Right wing, etc., etc. Sadly, from our passion poet here, uh, we have Justin dressed up like Aladdin. They said it was offensive. Only Shearer was saddened. To our south is the States. They have President Trump. They claim to be the best country, but he's turned it into a dump. The world is changing, something we all know. Let them re-elect Donald Trump. We prefer a Trudeau. <laughs> well, you got political, passion poet. It's not very passionate, just uh, political. All right, let me talk about, last thing I want to talk to you about is the seven most common sexual uh, fantasies. This was researched done by a colleague of mine. We've had him on the show, Justin Lee Miller, who did a huge study and, and um, published it in a book called Tell Me What You Want. He interviewed 4,000, not interview, but a questionnaire or surveyed, 4,175 Americans who took part in this study. So that's a really big sample size. But just a side note, it's a self-selected sample, and it was through social media. So you got to figure, if it's through social media, look at the age generation that this might represent. So, you know, we always take studies with a, or surveys with a, a slight grain of salt, right? However, um, he did come out of that with uh, seven top uh, fantasies, and I will share them with you right now. Multi-partner sex. 
which includes things like threesomes, orgies, and gangbangs. So that's uh, top fantasy. Power, control, and rough sex. So anything falling under the umbrella of bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism, or BDSM. Novelty, adventure, and variety. This refers to doing something that is new and different for you, such as having sex in a new position or setting. Number four was taboo activities. So things that you're not supposed to do and a lot of fetish fantasies kind of fell into this category, Um, like unusual stuff, very unusual stuff. Uh, Passion, romance, and intimacy fantasies. Uh, which is interesting, being in a non-monogamous relationship. So these fantasies involve practicing some form of non-monogamy, like swinging, for example. And number seven was gender bending and homoeroticism. So this is all about fantasies that push the boundaries of your gender gender identity, your gender role, your gender expression, like cross-dressing or maybe sexual orientation, like being a heterosexual but having a same-sex fantasy. Bottom line is, he says, these categories are not mutually exclusive. There's overlap between categories. People can fantasize about more than one of these things at the same time. Most people reported having had several different types of fantasies, and basically it's perfectly normal to fantasize about a lot of different things. For some people, these fantasies were just a one-time thing, and for others, they fantasize about these things uh, quite a bit. And at the end of his article, he says, remember that just because someone fantasizes about something doesn't necessarily mean that they desire it or want to do it. While there is definitely some overlap between fantasy and desire, these terms are not synonymous. They, um, fantasy is a thought It is not necessarily a desire or a wish. I'll leave you on that note. Some stuff that you can share at your holiday parties if you want to get a little edgier. Why not? All right. Uh, Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. Always appreciate your uh, listenership. I want to thank Chris Aiken, our technical producer, Linda DeLisi, our passion researcher. If you want to connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you will find all past shows listed there and you can download them as podcasts and listen to them at your leisure. So you, and they're listed by topics, so you'll see the topics that are there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening, a great weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.